Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I thank you for another day that we can gather together. Uh, Lord, in freedom to do that, I just thank you that we can do this. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time that we have together this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so um, I've got a couple thoughts on this new study. I've got two thoughts on this new study that I want to share. I don't have slides I'm following Paul's lead. I'm going to blame him. Um, So two thoughts. Thought number one in studying James is what we're going to be studying. Thought number one is that this is a new format, and I think it's going to bring new challenges, but hopefully new benefits. And then in my notes, I scratched out benefits and put blessings. Um, So this is a bit of a different format than I've done this before. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to get up here and preach on James, which I actually did, probably 12 years ago, um, preached through James. But instead of preaching through it, to teach through it like this is a little bit of a different format. So I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've ever done in a Sunday school just a Bible book study. Um, We've studied books, we've studied sections, we've studied topics, but never just say, hey, we're going to study this book of the Bible. But I felt um, very primed and ready for that. Uh, one of the things that I want to do is uh, I talked with Paul about this beforehand. Um, so do you guys remember a couple weeks ago where he had that uh, getting more out of your Bible notes? Do you guys remember that? So I thought, well, instead of just say, hey, this is what we're going to do, I thought, let's incorporate this tool as part of the study, right? And so let me just uh, hand these out or have Paul hand them out. Uh, while he's handing those out, I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure exactly, so this is the, the first time I've done it this format and using that particular format in addition to this format, and so I really have no idea how this is going to play out. So this is going to be a learning experience for me. Uh, I hope that you guys get something out of it, but I think it's going to be a learning experience. More on that in just a minute while he's getting ready to, uh, or while he's finishing handing those out. I'll come back to that in just a second. I wanted to share thought number two. And uh, before I share thought number two, let's see who has a Bible with them today, because that is the most important point that I have all day. I'm glad you were here to hear it. Let's pray. She's not listening to me. (laughs) Who's got a Bible? Bible? Got a Bible? Got a Bible? All right. Um, So... Thought number two when I talk about this is I was thinking about how I would unfold, especially this first day of this, and when I first came here and still felt young, um, don't feel that way anymore, uh, there was a passage that was very important to me, and so I want to have you look at it. So if you guys could look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, I want to share a passage that... When I first started doing this, this passage was really important to me. Um, still important to me, but it was at that time I, I can remember reading this and using it, frankly, as a guide of thinking about what I want to do and how I want to be and all those kinds of fun things. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 and go down to verse 11. And so verse 11 of 1 Timothy 4 says, Command and teach these things. 
which I wanted to include that verse with it because he's talking about all the things up to that point. He's been instructing young Timothy, the pastor, here's how this is... Here's how this is to be, command and teach these things, these things that he's been talking about, but he's also not done yet. He's then now shifts into some thoughts for Timothy. And so that verse 12, first off, and this is going to be the biggest reason why this was important to me at the time, says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. And it says, list off some things there, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So don't let anybody despise you for your youth. And at that time, I was one of the younger people at this church. And to be, the, to be a pastor of a church where a lot of people that are there are older than you are, um, that, that can kind of play with your mind. And so I, I wanted to, or I embraced this thought. But then this specific thing, be an example in speech, so how I was going to talk and behave in my conduct, right? in love and faith and purity, and so this kind of set a pattern that I, I wanted to follow as a pastor. But then verse 13 gets into a, something a little bit more practical, and this is why I'm bringing this up as verse 13. It says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Now, exhortation, I want you to think about, think about as primarily the preaching of the Word, exhorting, right? Uh, that's something that we do. Do we do that here? Do we do that here? We preach, don't we? Right? We got some preaching every Sunday. Uh, teaching, do we do that? Yeah. Um, this public reading of Scripture, we do this to a degree, but I think it's interesting to think about every once in a while saying, let's read, just read the text. And if you've been here for a long time, you may remember way back, every once in a while we would do that. I've had a, several times where when I started a new study, I would read the entire whatever passage it was that we were going to be studying over the course of who knows how long. Uh, so we're going to do that today, actually. We're gonna, this is the way we're going to start. James, our study on James, is to actually just, I'm going to read through the entire book of James. Okay. Now, each week after this, we're going to have little chunks that we're going to take a look at. But, okay, so let me look, get your paper out, right? Let's, let's read through this, getting more out of your time in the Word. So before I read this, see, this week, if I'm, if I'm going to read the whole thing, there's going to be some big picture things that you're going to pick up on in James. In fact, I want to tell you that you're probably going to, if you've never like just said, I'm going to have somebody read an entire book of the Bible out loud to me, and I'm going to listen to it, it's a different experience than somebody reading a section. You'll, you're going to pick up on things that you never even noticed before, uh, hearing an entire book read, okay? And so I want to encourage you. I want to read this in just a second. I want to encourage you to really just embrace what's happening. Uh, one way that I do that is I always try to imagine myself 2,000 years ago in one of those early churches, and James was written, we think, between the year 45, 46, 47, somewhere around there. We think this is one of the earliest books that was written. It was most likely before there was that big Jerusalem council that happened where you hear James, the brother of Jesus, being there, and Paul, and there was some debate going on. Some, and none of that's mentioned. So one of the reasons why they believe it was that early on is because that, that was a big deal, and it's not even mentioned in this book. And so there's a high probability that, hey, this probably dates back to that time period, okay? 
So imagine, though, and this is, again, this is one of the, what's called a general epistle. So this isn't written to a specific church, but basically to all the churches. And in fact, I'm going to throw something in there from that very first verse. Um, if you look at James and you look how it starts, it says it's written to who? Does anybody know without even looking at it? Who's it say it's written to? Paul, you can't answer because I know you know the answer. Does anybody know? No? All right, you can look now. Cheat. James chapter 1, verse 1. Who's it say it's written to? The 12 tribes of the dispersion. Okay. In this time period, when Jews would talk about the 12 tribes, to be honest, they didn't know, they, there was no physical representation of all 12 of the tribes. That had been lost um, in the exile to Babylon. They, they weren't able to completely be able to say, this is this tribe, this is this tribe, this is this tribe. There's some records that they had, there's some things that they had, and some families may have had that, but generally speaking, that was lost. And what they actually see during writings of this time period and just before that, when they're talking about the 12 tribes, a lot of times they're talking about, um, I'm going to use this word here, an eschatological thought, right? Do you guys know what an eschatological thought is? Like the end. And so the Jews would talk about the 12 tribes, and if they said the 12 tribes, they're not thinking about right then the 12 tribes. They're thinking about something that's going to be at the end as well. Which means, in fact, and I, I'm going to suggest this, there's a good chance that what James is talking about when he says to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, he may not have just simply be talking about to the Jews. He may have actually been talking about to the Christians, right? This 12 tribes could have been a way of describing the Christians because he's thinking about the end. Think about how Paul talks about us. Are we not grafted into Abraham's family? Right, And so there's a, there's a thought that that could be that James is not just thinking about, I'm writing this to the Jews, but actually to Christians throughout the world at that point, which would have still been very early on. And so when I get ready to read James, I want you to try to, and I, this is what I do. I, I love using my imagination. I think it could be a very powerful tool. It can be a terrible tool, but can it be a powerful tool as well? I like using my imagination and thinking to myself, trying to imagine... Can you imagine being back at those first, first Christians in those very first churches? We're talking 15 years since the resurrection, right? This was brand new. We've got a New Testament we can look at. They had an Old Testament. Can you imagine this letter arriving at your church and you hearing who it was from? James, the brother of Jesus. Now, a couple things may strike you at that moment. Number one, you would have possibly heard he was a prominent figure by this point, a prominent figure in the Jerusalem church. So to hear from him would have been a valuable piece. Ooh, what does he say? We're trying to figure out what does this look like? I got all kinds of questions about this, how, how we're going to be as living now that the Messiah has come, but it wasn't quite what we expected. How are we going to be doing this? Right? So embracing, like, and, and you're going to hear in James, James has a lot of very practical teaching that he's going to talk about, very just practical sort of thoughts, okay? The other thing that would have struck me, I don't know if it would have struck everybody, 
But I think that the book of James, his nickname was James the Just, but the book of James, this letter would have been a huge, because I'm going to tell you right now, it would take an awful lot for, where's Ashley at? Did she leave? It would take an awful lot for Ashley to be convinced that I was the son of God. <laughs> right? You hear in Jesus' lifetime, did his brothers believe in him? Uh-uh. What happened from that time? And now he was doing some amazing miracles, but that, that wasn't it. That didn't do it for James. That didn't do it for Jude. What event happened? Resurrected. If that's not enough to convince a, a little brother that your older brother is the son of God. I mean, that, I jokingly, I've thought, it would have been frustrating growing up under that. I mean, can you imagine Mary all the time? Why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> oh, man. Now, I'm sure there was some resentment, some frustrations that were going on there. But at some point, in fact, you see the brothers of Jesus just before he goes to Jerusalem to be killed. They're like, hey, why don't you go? Don't, are you afraid? You're going to go, right? They, they're almost mocking him. Hey, people that do these things, they don't want to be kept hidden. You might as well go. Almost I feel like those younger brothers going, man, they'll chew him up. Jerusalem, Jerusalem will chew him up and spit him out. And they weren't wrong. And it did. I wonder if in that time after his death, before that resurrection, if there was some thoughts of like, wow, I didn't know they would like kill. I mean, I thought, I wondered what they would do to him, but they killed him. But then can you imagine the first time they saw him after that? And so this guy that's writing this book, just 15 to 20 years before he wrote this, wasn't buying it. And now he is. I, let's listen. That, that's why I go. Let's listen to what he's got to say. So transport yourself back 2,000 years. Imagine yourself not knowing for sure. What, what, what does it look like to be... The, the, the nickname Christian wasn't there yet, I don't believe. Possibly by this point, it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians, little Christs, right? A bunch of little Jesuses walking around. Uh, that happened in Antioch. Uh, at this point, they may have still been under the title early on in Acts of being people of the way. And I imagine being one of the people of the way going, well, what way are we going what way is that exactly? I know this is the way to follow him. What does that look like? Okay. Now, while we're going through this, feel free to take a moment before I start reading. Just scan your, let your eyes scan down through some of those things. And I'm not expecting all of you to answer all of these questions because this isn't geometry class and I'm not going to give you a quiz. Right? What I am going to do is after we're done, I'm going to say... Was there anything, I'm hoping that what may happen today, after we hear this book read, that somebody will go, man, I, that question there, that just, when you got to that chapter and you said that, 
that just jumped out at me in reference to this. Or maybe especially some of those things at the beginning. Look for God's character, who he is and what he is like. Um, you're going to hear, actually, there's a lot of the things that James says that he'll say, you ought to do this, and you'll hear him imply because this is what God is like. Okay, so listen for some of those things. You're gonna say, you ought to be doing this because God is this way. You ought to be doing this because God is this way. You ought to be doing this because this is how God is. This is how our Lord is, okay? So take a moment, scan down through this, and then I'm going to start reading through James, and I want you to transport yourselves back 2,000 years in a church, and this is one of the first things that you're getting to hear about how we're going to be living. Some other things that may be prominent in your mind. Were people, by this point, had people been killed for following the way? Name, does anybody know one name of somebody who was killed for following the way? I heard it. Stephen, right? Stephen. Not even necessarily one of the pastors of the Jerusalem church was stoned to death for being a person of the way. And so you may be even nervous or afraid of what's going on in your world 2,000 years ago. Um, maybe there were some other people you've heard of that have been persecuted for this already, and here you are, you're believing it, but you have very little to go on as to what this looks like, okay? Are you guys ready? All right. The letter of James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 
Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but falls in one point or fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, 
Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a great or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit? That he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, 
and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back, back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If anyone among you, is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering 
will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's a lot to take in all at once, isn't it? All right, let me ask you a few questions. Who has like more than 50 questions? (laughs) Anything in there, you're like, wait, what? Um, anything, anything, let's ask this question so we can get some participation going. Anything that's, of all those things, anything jump out at you? Maybe you're like, I've read that before, I've heard that before, but for some reason this time it was just like, boom. Anybody have anything like that? Don't be shy. No? None that you want to say? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's packed, isn't it? I, I know that it's packed because I've preached through this, but I forget how much it's packed until I do something like this and I'm going, good night. There's so much in here. Let me, let me ask you this. Did, did you hear? Because we, we have the... Now, they didn't have any of those gospel accounts. As far as I know, I don't think, Mark maybe, but I don't think any of them have been written at this point. Pretty sure. And even if Mark had been written, the distribution of it, there's quite a high probability that there's a lot of people hearing this. This is the first thing they've gotten that's officially from the church. Let me ask you this. How, did, you, did you hear echoes of Jesus' teaching in every other sentence? Did you guys hear that? I mean, there's so many things in there that you go like, wait a minute, I know that from this gospel. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. That's right. Did you hear all kinds of little things filtered in there? It's almost like James, and and I'm stealing this observation. It's almost like James has compacted a bunch of teaching into a small amount of section as possible and said, I'm gonna give them as much as I can. People need to know what Jesus was teaching. Let's, how much can I cram in it and get out there, right? That's what it feels like. And, and one of the commentators I was reading already was talking about it. That's, that's a lot. What it, like, there's just so much. Any other observations? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Watch your mouth. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, and yeah. Saying, well, you know, he had to correct them, so it kind of comforts me. Mm-hmm. If I can put it that way, to know that we all need that instruction to get our lives in order. Be- before you say yours, uh, on that note, think about this: twenty years before this, fifteen to twenty years before this, you had the traveling rogue preacher John the Baptist. Repent, you bunch of brood of vipers. Who sent you out here? I mean, right? I mean, that, that sort of thing. You hear a little bit of that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting when I read it, because I usually read it from my world, my perspective. Mm. So, I mean, I, it's not that it was new to me, but in chapter 3 where it says... Um, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Mm. Um, 
and like when I like this whole idea of like selfish ambition and mm. and uh, being jealous of, of you know somebody else and um, I, I see that like in our world it's very relevant to me but thinking about them back then like that they were caught up in selfish ambition like I just think of, I don't know why in my head I know I'm completely wrong about the culture mm-hmm. but in my head they're just surviving do you know what I mean yeah. there wouldn't have been much time for like I'm the greatest but yeah. that was there yeah you know and so it was, it, it's interesting sometimes to stop and, and think read it through from their culture and it mm-hmm. does because it does reassure you like <laughs> oh yeah there's nothing new under the sun yeah like, same issues back then Oh. I think the crazy part is, is that it's two Christians. It's to the mm. church. Yeah. It's not to everybody. It's not to the world. Yeah. It's to the Christians that are in. So they're struggling with the same intelligence. Yeah. Um, I would think that it's more in the family there because you got your firstborn. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. And then, well, like the part was talking about, if if you have in your your congregation, you have the wealthy come in, and and you're like, hey, take this nice seat, but you, you know, you know, it, that seems so foreign to us. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Let me ask you this one so you can throw a few more things out there. Although my, my dad gave me a half stink eye, not a full stink eye, so I know that we're getting close. He didn't do the full, and I didn't see any of this going on, so I think I have a couple seconds here left. Um, anything stick out, you're like, that feels different than other things I read, I've read in the Bible. There's one I would think would jump out, like, that's... Wait a minute. Anybody have one that just jumped out at you? If nobody says it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one example. Um, yeah. Yeah, but we, 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 do hear, we do hear some of that stuff. But what about, oh, is he giving me, is it time? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I gotta tell you, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. I'll just give you this one, and we'll get there. Um, in fact, it's an interesting quote. It's an Old Testament quote that we hear another New Testament writer quote, and it feels very different. Chapter two, verse twenty-three. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God; and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul the Apostle uses that to claim we are justified by faith alone and not by works. And yet James says, what? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. In fact, you go back to the verse before it. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Hold up. Now, a small-minded and I'm not meaning that to be, okay, I'm meaning that to be a little bit insulting. A small-minded perspective would latch onto this and say, here's a contradiction. It is not a contradiction. And we'll get to that. I obviously don't have time today because my dad's going to justify me by something if I don't stop soon. But uh, um, 
That, that, in fact, you go to Romans. It says, was not Abraham a father justified by faith? And then here James says, was not Abraham a father justified by works? And then they both quote the same passage from Genesis to support what they're saying. What's that mean? There's an answer, I promise. I promise there's an answer. A very good, very important answer. Um, and we'll get there. But uh, I want to encourage you as you get into next week. I want to encourage you be- before the next time. It won't be next week because it'll probably be the next time that Paul's preaching. We'll jump into this. And I'm going to try to hit chapter 1. I won't do the whole thing. But I would think at least I was looking at it at least maybe up to verse 18, which means I'll probably make it to verse 3. Next time we get together. So I'll, I'll give you a heads up warning next time it's, we're going to have this. And I'm going to ask you guys to take, you should have this thing, whether you put stuff in there or not. If you need a new fresh blank one, take one. And I, I want to encourage you to read at least chapter one and jot some things down so that when we get together, you have some stuff already that you're already thinking about. Okay? All right. You guys are dismissed.